0: It is Thursday, December first, here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week Thirteen Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Smola. Jared, how's the week going for you? Now that we're back to like normal stuff, not a holiday.
1: Yeah, back into the routine, which I love. Um, a couple teams on bye week, which helps, um, and a, a good Thursday night game this week. You're
0: not an amazing fantasy game, but a good real life game. Better than we've had a lot of these Thursday nights. And really, it could be a better fantasy game than we might expect based on how Josh Allen has performed against the Patriots recently. So we'll jump into that game first. We're back to going through every game now that we are back to a regular week and only two teams on bye. It's uh, we got one more 16 by I'm not sure why the NFL did a 16 <laughs> bye for week 14. Other than to just I don't know if they're just like letting us fantasy folks know that they're still in charge or what. But it's it's annoying.
1: I've read some stuff about the process they go through to make the schedule. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to knock them at all. It's, it's tough. I'll (laughs) not. Okay. I'll I'll let you handle that.
0: I'll do the knocking for both of us. I don't mind that at all. Buffalo at new England is the first game on Thursday night bills by four in this one over under 43 and a half. And like I said, Josh Allen has laid waste to the Patriots recently, and we might be ready to do so again, full practices all this week. He had not done that since injuring that right elbow against the Jets in week nine. The passing has not been awesome over the past four weeks, which began with that Jets game. Of course, he didn't hurt the elbow until the end of it, but the Jets have been a tougher matchup to pass on. Over that span, 6.75 yards per attempt, 61% completions. Before that Jets game, 8.3 yards per attempt, 65.5% completion. So I'm hoping that we get full Josh Allen in this game against a team that he's just beaten up recently.
1: Yeah, both these teams, you know, not on a short week because they both played on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you had the wind game last year between the Bills and the Pats, but the, the Bills didn't punt in either of their other two games against the Patriots. The uh, I think it was Week 17 game and then the playoff game. They scored 80 points across those two games. Josh Allen threw eight total touchdowns. So it is a you know it's a tough on paper matchup. The pa- Patriots defense has been good all year. Good lately, their third in pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks now, but. You're
0: not benching Josh Allen in this spot, and I think you're starting all your regular bills. Josh Allen might be the most, they don't play the game on paper, player in the entire league. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, you think they're fairly easy starters tonight?
1: Yeah, Dave, Davis, I'd start. We talked about his um, target share being up lately, um, and he still has the big playability. Obviously, it'd be you know, tough to watch him go go for one of his two touchdown games tonight on your bench. No, Knox is iffier. Um, I think he's fringy. His routes were fine last week, 76% of the drawbacks, just the two targets. It seemed to me like, you know, Isaiah McKenzie kind of took some of the Dawson-Knox work, which is kind of how it's going to be. Like, we know Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis are going to be the two primary options in this past game. Then it might, you know, vacillate back and forth between Knox and McKenzie. McKenzie did have one big game against the Patriots last year. Knox did well against the Patriots last year, too, though, um, scored three touchdowns in those final two meetings, you know, omitting that game in, in the crazy wind in Buffalo. So, um I, yeah, I would lean towards Knox being, uh, you know, the third option in the passing game tonight. But again, I would not be surprised if it's, if it's McKenzie again.
0: Yeah, McKenzie had the monster week 16. Then the playoffs, he didn't do very much. It was just a, kind of a normal game. Last week, yep. his playing time was way up versus the previous game, but it was right in line with the two games before that. So, you know, I think both of those guys are kind of, on that fringe of if you need somebody, there's definitely upside to them, but don't overrate the likelihood that they're going to score for you. Exactly. Devin Singletary, six straight games of 72% snap rate or better 13 plus carries in five of those six games and 67 rushing yards or more in four of those games. The targets have been down over the same stretch, but it looks like just, I don't know if it's luck or plan or whatever. It it doesn't look like a change in his usage though.
1: Yeah. You know, Singletary Singletary. He's out there. He's not a focal point of the offense because it's a Josh Allen-centric offense. The Patriots, um, first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs on the season. They're also first in football outsiders' run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. So, you know, Singletary sits lower in our rankings than he does most weeks because of the matchup. He's fine. He's going to be out there for for what should be, you know, a high-scoring offense, but I I don't love this spot for him.
0: Yeah, it's going to be like 93% pass for the Bills tonight, I think. Should be. On the Patriots' side, no Damian Harris because of a thigh injury. Ramondre Stevenson, I think that makes him a must start. There is an issue for the New England offense. They've already got Isaiah Wynn ruled out, one of the tackles. Trent Brown was added to the injury report today as questionable with illness. So it will certainly hurt if they're missing both of their season opening starting tackles. Not sure that that would ultimately change a whole lot for me in how much I use Ramondre Stevenson.
1: No, yeah, I, I do think Stevenson's a must-start. I think he's third among running backs in our PPR rankings. He has averaged 15.4 carries and 6.4 targets in the five games that Damian Harris has missed all or most of this season. I think that's a pretty fair projection for what you're going to get out of him tonight. The passing game usage has just been crazy high all season. Um, so, yeah, the, the tackle thing is a concern, probably a bigger concern for the passing game, though.
0: And if you look at the Bills defense, it looks like they're tough against the run, but they've allowed 5.0 yards per carry to running backs over the past five games. And they lost Von Miller the last time out, who is their second highest graded run defender, according to pro football focus. So it's not a scary run defense, even if there are the the tackle injury issues. Mac Jones is not somebody that I'm starting outside of a super flex league and maybe not even there, depending on what I have. But. I'm interested to watch Mac Jones in this game and a little beyond this. He's coming off not only the big game on Thanksgiving night, but his actual two best passing performances of the year. The one before against the Jets is a little less obvious because he didn't put up huge um, fantasy numbers, but he completed 85% of his throws for 9.1 yards per attempt against the Jets.
1: Yeah. He also had his best PFF passing grade of the season last week. Um, He only had two higher marks all last season. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like he'd be a, stash guy for me in deeper leagues um i think he's only in playing two quarter two quarterback super flex leagues tonight yeah if he turns in another solid performance and now he has some more favorable matchups coming up so he, he could be
0: an option down the stretch and i would even state it more strongly than favorable matchups he has the league's best qb schedule from week 14 to week 17 by our adjusted fantasy points allowed those specific matchups arizona las vegas cincinnati miami The Cardinals, Raiders and Dolphins rank third, second and fourth respectively in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. The Bengals a little bit tougher, but they have played worse in pass defense since the injury to their lead cornerback and their shootout potential to that game. So if Mac Jones is at least good tonight and by good, like if he finishes this game with 250 yards and one touchdown and, you know, a a passer rating of 90 something, I'll take that and I'll consider him an option where he's going to be you know, at least in the mix for the top 18. And we'll see about specifics beyond that going forward.
1: Yeah, the Cardinals and Raiders games are away too, which I like because they'll be, you know, in in domes and climate controlled environments. And then the Dolphins games in Miami. So, you know, weather shouldn't be an issue for a Mac Jones down the stretcher. So definitely a good guy to stash. You know, the schedule also helps these wide receivers. I think Jacoby Meyer is still the only one in play tonight. I'll even ease Effie because he has the shoulder that limited him on Thanksgiving. It kept him limited in practice all week. He's actually still listed as questionable. So um, he was, he was okay in the games versus the bills last season, actually caught six balls in both of the final two games without the weather. But you know, he- he's a low upside option to begin with. And then the shoulder definitely had some risk to him tonight. So I, w- I would try not to use Myers if I could help it.
0: Of course, limited practices and questionable tags. Don't tell, they tell us less in new England. than They do anywhere else. That just tells us that he has an injury that he's dealing with. <laughs> For sure. I think he's fine in like low wide receiver three range. Not somebody I'm reaching to use, but I I, I hope that we find, I hope he hears something leading into the game. I don't expect to, but he's somebody that I wouldn't be scared to use. Yeah. He, he downplayed the injury after that Thanksgiving night game, but. um, And did return. You
1: know, he, he did return the shoulder mm-hmm. stuff though tends to be like, you know, you land on it the wrong way one time and you're
0: knocked out for the game. So he, he, he has more risk tonight than he usually does. Yeah, there is definitely risk. Tough to say, like, I I think we're expecting that he'll be active. Even if he turned up inactive, I'm not even sure exactly how he would react to that. If there's anybody else really worth starting in most cases, Nelson Aguilar was the guy who got the targets last week, got eight of them, but that was more than his combined total for the previous five games. Devontae Parker had 80 yards on four catches, but only four targets, so I think we can We'll, we'll go ahead and bet the under on that kind of efficiency. Most weeks, mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, even five targets last week, three for 63 and a touchdown. He had just two multi-catch games among the past five. So there's just nobody that I'm like, uh, I want to bet on him.
1: Yeah, it was, it was the Patriots best passing performance of the season. And that kind of, you know, lifted all these guys. So I'm keeping an eye on, it. you know, Dante Parker and Nelson Aguilar were top two in pass routes last week. So they do look like the wide receivers you want to own outside of Jacoby Myers, But again, I'd want to see it again before trusting them in a fantasy lineup at this point of the season.
0: Parker is the one that I'm going to keep an eye on for potential use later in the season in a deeper league because he got back to full playing time against Minnesota after dealing with an injury and was up in that range beforehand, had some games where he was productive. So there's room for him to produce in like wide receiver four range the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, that Hunter Henry, um, 76 and 74% of the pass routes over the last two games. Um, Now he had just one target um in week eleven prior to the five last week. And the Bills have remained tough against tight ends. So Henry's another guy where, you know, maybe, especially in like FFPC leagues, if he's available, maybe you stash him because if he's gonna be a you know 70 to 80% route guy down the stretch, he could be usable in those better matchups. Um but, but I would not use him in this spot tonight.
0: Yeah, agreed. Anything else from that game? Oh. Pittsburgh at Atlanta, which was a pick 'em at least the last time I checked, over under forty-two in this one. Since the week nine by, we've got three straight positive rushing DVOA ratings for the Steelers offense, which has not been good running the ball overall for the season. So that's particularly noteworthy. It's the first time this year, actually, that they've strung together three straight positive DVO ratings in offensive rushing. So now they've got this matchup coming off their best rushing DVOA of the entire season against a tough Colts run D. And we don't know if Najee Harris is going to play.
1: Yeah, I... I'm betting on Harris not playing. Um, he didn't practice on Wednesday. His injury reportedly isn't serious. So I don't expect a long-term absence, but I'm not making on him playing on Sunday. Yeah, Jalen Warren back to a full practice with his hamstring on Wednesday, so it does look like he's going to be available. So it's going to be Warren, Snell, and Anthony McFarland in this plus matchup. Um, I, I do think Warren's the best bet, but I think we we also you know don't know exactly what the backfield split's going to look like.
0: Yeah, we don't know. I I agree on Najee Harris front. I think we should assume that he's not going to play. He was ruled out quickly from that game and it was still competitive on Monday night. Jalen Warren would certainly be the guy that I bet to dominate might be too strong a word. I think that there is strong potential that he dominates the backfield work in this one. I would at least bet him as the clear leader in this backfield because these other two guys didn't exist before Monday night when Jalen Warren was inactive and then Najee Harris got hurt. So I think that they're going to be you know, just bit players and the Jalen Warren's going to be the guy that flirts with 18 to 20 total touches for this game, maybe even um, beyond that. And Pittsburgh has gone 60, 40 pass for the season, but in their two wins over the past three games, they've been over 50% run in each of those. So if they are able to get an early lead on Atlanta, or even if it's just a close game, which it should be, I, I think that there will be more rushing share versus what they're running on offense overall. Yeah, I think the
1: nice thing about Warren is he should be a safe bet to handle most of the pass-catching work because he's been doing that anyways. Um, exactly how the early-down stuff is going to be divvy, we don't know. But, again, the matchup's good. Um, I think you're right. The Steelers you know, should be able to run it more in this game. Um, they actually have been. They, they were negative uh, 8% pass rate over-expected two weeks ago and then 6% last week. So they have been wanting to run the ball more than average. And if this game is
0: close, obviously, or, or they are playing with the lead, they'll be able to do that. The wide receivers on that side remain limited, though, by Kenny Pickett. Yeah. They, he had a solid outing against the Colts, 71% completion rate, but the 87.5 passer rating is his highest of the season, just 174 yards in that game, 6.2 yards per attempt. So, I mean, even when he's good, he's just limited.
1: Yeah, it's like Pickens has been efficient, but isn't getting great volume. He's actually averaging just five targets per game over the last five. And then you have Deontay Johnson, who's getting the volume, 7.4 targets over the last five games, but has not been efficient. Um, So both those guys are like low end wide receiver threes. The matchup's good, obviously. So that that helps a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. Pickett, by the way, has as many touchdown runs as touchdown passes. Pat Frymouth, man against the Colts, three catches, 39 yards. He remains a stronger bet for production, probably because he plays at a position where we need a little bit less for him to be a strong option than the wideouts.
1: Yeah, target share down last week, but playing time was still there. um, So nothing to worry about with Friday.
0: Green Bay at Chicago Packers by four and a half over under 43 and a half. Quarterback injuries are the big stories in this game. Aaron Rodgers, it's an upside spot for him against a defense that might be the worst in the league right now, but. He's not only been not very good all season, now he's got some kind of internal injury. Tough to know exactly what it is. I think it's a great week to play both Packers running backs and try not to play Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, that, that'd be my lean. I mean, like you said, the matchup, is awesome. The Bears defense has been bad all season. It's been even worse lately. They're they're dead last in Football Outsiders' pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. They've allowed nine point four yards per pass attempt over the last five weeks. And their last three games have come against Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, and Mike White. So it's not like they face this you know tough. Um, group of quarterbacks. I I would not be surprised if Rodgers comes away with this game with two or three touchdowns, but the downside is he's playing through the injury, and this is a game where Green Bay's been a run-leaning offense all season anyways, and that's definitely going to continue on Sunday in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have to use him, that's fine. I'm not going to go hunting for somebody to replace him, but I I would bet that Green Bay would like to finish this game with 20 pass attempts and come away with a victory where they run the ball 35 times. Yep, agreed. Christian Watson is he's one of those guys that you have to decide whether you're going to play because he is, I'll get to Jamal Williams's numbers later in this, but he's the Jamal Williams of wide receivers right now. 41.4% of Watson's PPR points have come from touchdowns, which includes one rushing touchdown so far. That's 10 percentage points ahead of anybody else in the top 50 at wide receiver in PPR scoring next on that list is Isaiah McKenzie. So if Christian Watson doesn't score, He's not a good bet to get you points. That said, he's right. going up against like, as we stated, maybe the worst defense in football right now, especially against the past. So the upside is clear. Yeah, I'd
1: be inclined to just kind of ride the momentum with Watson this week in this matchup. Again, you know, the downside is the passing volume is going to be low for the Packers, lightly, uh, likely. Now, you know, Watson does have a 19% target share over the past couple weeks. Um, trail He trails Al Mazar by just two total targets over that span. Watson's basically a full-time player at this point. He ran her out on 89% of the dropbacks last week. So, you know, that's all working in his favor. Um, again, I, I would not be surprised if he scores or at least makes another big play in this
0: matchup against the Bears. Yeah, nice to see him lead the team in targets last week. That helps the the case a little bit. Anyone else worth going over on the Green Bay side? No, I know we kind of alluded to A. J. Dillon, but
1: I mean he's been disappointing. But if there's a spot to use him, I think it's this week. I think he, you know, should get the double
0: digit carries and you know, he should be efficient in this matchup. On the Bears side, we'll see about Justin Fields, and uh, the you know it's the injury question with him. We'll just see how the practice week goes. I'm not playing anybody besides David Montgomery if Justin Fields doesn't play, and I would love to not have to play anybody besides Montgomery even if Fields does play. I, I would play Fields if he's active for the game, yeah. but besides that, I'm not looking at any pass catchers unless I need to.
1: Yeah, I think we're staying away from the wide receivers for now. Um, I mean, Chase Claypool obviously has a big opportunity, but Darnell Mooney out for the season now. You're Mooney leaving behind twenty seven percent of the Bears targets. Um, I do think Cole Komet has to be in play. He's already seen twenty-four and a half percent of the Bears targets over the last four games, 5.8 targets over that span. And he, you know, could get a further boost with Darnell Mooney out. So, um, you know, still not a guy I'm excited to play, but volume wise, you know, Komet is is pretty solid outside the top few tight ends.
0: I agree. Do you think he drops from his current spot in our rankings? If it is uh, Trevor Simeon instead of Justin Fields,
1: (sighs) maybe a little. I, know, I guess you'd have to decide like Dawson Knox tonight versus Cole Komet. They're just completely different players, though, right? Like Komet's more of the for- floor play. Knox keeps you the upside. So that's kind of a decision you'd have
0: to make. I mean, if I'm deciding between those guys, I'm probably just rolling with Knox going forward. And, I, you know, you keep Komet on the bench because I wouldn't drop him unless you're in a league where that kind of guy can just stay on the waiver wire because yeah. you don't want to help anybody else. But yeah, I, I think I'd roll with just the upside offense. Yep. No, no argument here. Denver at Baltimore Ravens by eight and a half over under 38 and a half. So it should be an ugly game. We'll start with Denver. Latavius Murray dominated backfield playing time unsurprisingly in week 12 because they just dumped Melvin Gordon, 49 snaps for Murray versus 10 combined for Marlon Mack and Divina Zigbo. Zigbo's back to the practice squad or just on waivers now. I haven't seen if they completed that move, but Mike Boone designated to return this week. So we'll see if that means that he's activated or if it's just opening the practice window. I think Mike Boone's going to be a factor at some point. The question will be how much of a factor.
1: Yeah, I I think a factor for Denver, not necessarily a fantasy factor. Is that what you're saying? Um,
0: Yeah, well, I I mean, a factor for Denver primarily and then how much of an impact he is versus Latavius Murray in workload
1: right yeah I do think Boone could step back into the pass catching role
0: which would you know be bad news for Murray considering this is a Broncos team that's going to
1: be trailing for um, most of the season going forward the, the Broncos have a 15.5 point implied total this week it's the lowest on the entire week so that you know kind of tells you what to do with this offense the Ravens too this defense is third and Total defensive DVOA over the past five weeks. Now they're playing very well against both their run and the pass. So, um,
0: you know, Murray
1: in play because of the workload, Cortland Sutton in play because of the volume he's been getting. Otherwise, I would, you know, try to stay away from this offense.
0: Yeah. Toughest defense in the league by DVOA uh, in recent weeks. So I would certainly try not to play anybody Denver. Greg Dulcich is somebody that I am thinking about every week, and the playing time and the routes remain good. He's got one game of more than five targets, though. He has 52 total yards over the past three games. Last week, he trailed the top three wide receivers among Broncos in routes against Carolina, and that was with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler out. So he was behind Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson in routes. Again, the playing time was fine, but it's a bad offense. The targets aren't there. It's just time to not bet on Greg Dulcich in those close decisions now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, the target thing can flip in any week, but it's like, why wait on that in such a bad offense? Where like, even if it does flip and he gets an 18% target share one of these weeks, like it's probably going to be, you know, four catches for, for 40 scoreless yards. I just think the the risk outweighs the reward, but the right high uh, right now.
0: Yeah. And we're at the point in the season where it's, if you haven't seen it, I mean, and we've got like one or two games of worthwhile targets from a rookie tight end. If you haven't seen it, then it's just not worth waiting on something that you don't yeah. know if it really exists. On the Baltimore side, we're going to have to watch Lamar Jackson. He left Wednesday's practice with a quad injury, so we'll watch and see how serious that is this week. Have you heard anything since then about it? Nothing today, but like you said,
1: it sounds like he you know, hurt the quad in Wednesday's practice, which is, is definitely concerning, and especially for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who gets a, a lot of his fantasy production with his rushing
0: ability. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about Mark Andrews disappointing week 12. His role was the same as usual. I think it was just one of those goofy games where Josh Oliver looked more attractive than usual.
1: Well, Andrews played horribly. He dropped a, what would have been like a 40 yard catch and he dropped the touchdown. So, you know, he could add a hundred yards and a score pretty easily. Um, I would bet on him bouncing back.
0: He'll be fine jk dobbins designated to return we'll see how soon he's actually activated to the roster and we'll see about the role once he's back i would have to assume that it will be limited at the very least right when he comes back and maybe through the end of the season yeah that'd
1: be my guess too like i wouldn't be counting on dobbins contributing to the fantasy teams the rest of the way i think the impact though is on gus edwards where i think is a starting option definitely if dobbins is out you know maybe if dobbins is active but we'll have to see what we hear about the workloads but gus edwards He's only played two healthy games this season, but he has 16 carries in both of those games. Um, And this Broncos run, D, as we've talked about, has been slumping. It's not a tough matchup for Gus Edwards. So I think um, RB3 for Edwards, if Dobbins is out, it becomes a bit shakier if Dobbins is back for Sunday's game. But again, we'll we'll see what we hear about the workload split.
0: Now, interestingly, in the three games since the bye for Denver, the defense rates 31st against the pass in DVOA, 11th (laughs) against the run. I, I don't think that really matters for this particular matchup because I don't think Denver's going to score points. So I don't yeah. think Baltimore's going to be pushed away from running the ball. So I do think it's a good spot for Gus Edwards, but uh, I'll be curious to see if this pass defense rebounds at all. Because the Denver pass <laughs> defense was like the one thing, Broncos, that we could actually count on before these past three weeks. And then just since the bye, it's disappeared.
1: Yeah, we're to the point of the season where you start having to think about teams, you know maybe not given hundred percent
0: when their seasons are over. Um, that, that could certainly be the case with this Broncos team, especially that team. And getting back to the Ravens in particular, the wideouts I think are still bit players. You'll still find DeMarcus Robinson, Devin DuVernay way down our rankings. And really if you're in a league deep enough where you have to decide between them, I think it's really a coin flip between them.
1: Yeah, if you're deciding I'd still go. Robinson just, you know, he he's been getting more targets generally over the past three or four games.
0: It was awesome to see Deshaun
1: Jackson make a, a big play last week. He's um he he's not gonna be a fantasy factor, but I do think he's gonna be a factor in this Ravens offense down the stretch. Um the receiver core is bad and they need that big play ability. And Jackson can can still run. Amazing. he's like thirty-five years old and
0: he can still get downfield like that. You can at least give him a look if you're playing showdowns um when the Ravens are involved. Yes, Washington at the Giants commanders by two and a half over under 40 and a half. It was fun to have Brian Robinson junior week. I don't think <laughs> he's somebody we should bet on significantly going forward. That was the first game all season where he was over 3.8 yards per carry. And even that number two game, 3.8 yards per carry was against Houston yeah. the week before one of the league's worst run defenses.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the rushing volume has been steady for him. He's actually averaging 18 carries over his last four games, but you know he he hasn't been efficient. He doesn't do a whole lot. In the passing game. And this is a decent spot for him. That you know, Washington's favored. It should be a close game throughout. I think Robinson, you know, can get to 15 plus carries again. But um
0: running back three, no, no more than that for Robinson. Yeah, and we still have Antonio Gibson ahead of him, even though it swung in Robinson's favor last week. I would still play Gibson first. Nobody exciting on the Washington side. I think uh, Terry McLaurin's in play all the time at this point. Uh and Taylor Heineke is not if you can help him.
1: Yeah, just McLaurin for me. Um, Curtis Samuel's role has diminished lately. Logan Thomas is, is very fringy. Matchup's good for Logan Thomas. The Giants are dead last in football outsiders tight end coverage, DVOA. But um, you know the, the volume's just not
0: there because Washington's going so run heavy. On the Giants side, do we have problems with Saquon Barkley?
1: I think so. Unfortunately, his playing time is down a little bit recently. So it's been over the last four games and he's still playing 78% of the snaps over the last four
0: games. He's still fifth in
1: expected fantasy points over the last four games. So like the usage is still fine. It's not quite at the level it was over the first couple months of the season. But the efficiency, I mean, 3.3 yards per carry, 4.3 yards per catch for Saquon. He's 21st in actual fantasy points per game over the past four weeks. Like I, you, you're probably not benching him you know, he's he, he's not the elite option he was over the first couple months of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, like, w- what am I going to do about it? You, I, yeah. You're probably not benching Saquon Barkley unless you're absolutely loaded at running back. And it, there's really only been a few games of truly rough production. The past two weeks have seen his carries dip. So still somebody worth betting on overall. Not a great matchup this week, but he has stayed involved in the passing game. So, you know, we'll cross our fingers and hope that yeah. Saquon can get us across the finish line. Maybe use this as a nudge, to strongly consider trading Barkley in a dynasty league if you have been, you know, hesitant to do so because of how much he's been driving your team this year. The Giants are looking likely to get
1: tackle Evan Neal back this weekend. And Barkley's dip has coincided with Neal being out. I'm not sure if that's part or all of the cause of it. But, you know, getting your
0: stud rookie tackle back is definitely going to help Barkley and the rest of the offense not awesome for Barkley that they have Washington twice in the next three weeks. But you know, what are you going to do? Yep. Darius Slayton at the bottom of wide receiver three territory, anything to be excited about on this front? Or is it just like, I need a wide receiver who might get targets and Slayton is that.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has 58 plus yards in, in five straight games. Now he's averaging like 74 yards per game over that span Washington though, you know, it was a pass defense we were picking on for the first half of the season over the past 5 weeks they're they're seventh in football outsiders pass defense to um, so it's it's
0: definitely not as good a matchup as maybe the season long numbers would make it look like for Slayton. I think his most attractive spot might be underdog Pickums right now. He's still at 46 and a half yards in this week's he was at he was somewhere in the 40s last mm-hmm. week where he went over for us in underdog Pickums there. So if you're not playing underdog Pickums yet, you can jump in you can get your first deposit matched 100 by clicking the link at the bottom of this podcast i recommend going in i recommend playing some darius slayton i, I have to look at his numbers against ours this week i don't think he jumped out as as big a play this week as he did last week but like you said he's been 58 plus yards in a lot of games recently so he's a solid bet. yeah we got him for 51 so he, he's okay um you if you're playing under anything else from that game
1: no, I'd be careful with Richie James. He delivered last week, but like we have five games of James without Randall Robinson this season. He's averaging 4.4 4 targets in those games. So, you know,
0: very, very low upside
1: and uh, the floor is not even as safe as you might think.
0: Jets at Minnesota Vikings <clears throat> by three over under 44 and a half. We've got the great Mike white on one side and this one definitely benefited from playing his first game of the season against that <laughs> league worst bears defense. The Vikings, though, have allowed plenty of quarterback points, including the second most quarterback points over the past five weeks. They've also allowed the third most receptions of 20-plus yards. So I'm not overplaying Mike White this week. I think he's somebody to look at if you're in rough shape and looking low in QB2 territory if you need a second for your super flex league. He's somebody down there that has upside in that. Like, we, we project him at, I think, 21st right now. But he's one of those guys that only has one game of this season behind him. So we don't Mm -hmm. really have numbers to go on as much as we do other players. So he's certainly capable of outperforming that, especially if we get shootout conditions here. Garrett Wilson is the jet that I really want to play. Vikings have allowed the third most receptions of 20 plus yards. Garrett Wilson came back to life with Mike White last week. The targets should be at least decent. So I've got him pretty easily in wide receiver two range this week.
1: Yeah, White, like you said, obviously benefited from the matchup. He was ninth in PFF passing grades last week, so though. So, you know, he he played well. He did he did this last year too. I mean, he played well a couple games. His his third start, he totally bombed against the Bills. I kind of think that's gonna happen eventually this season. We see the we see this with these backup quarterbacks. Like they come in, they have a couple of nice starts, and then the league starts to get tape on them, they kinda start to figure them out, and then there's a crash at some point. But you know, like you said, that crash I don't expect it to come this week in this matchup against the struggling Vikings pass defense. I do think I do think White's a, a fine two quarterback league, super flex league play. I, I wouldn't mess with him in one quarterback leagues. And then yeah, Garrett Wilson, I think the only other guy you want to use in this passing game. He had a 29% target share from Mike White last week and you yeah, know hopefully uh, that that rate keeps up cuz it, it should
0: Love it. I think he's in the range where it's a personal decision between Garrett Wilson and like both 49ers receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Terry McLaurin, Josh Palmer. You know, most of those guys will get to those games in a few minutes. Yeah, agreed. In the Jets' backfield, Michael Carter, no practice Wednesday. I think we should plan at the moment as though he's not playing on his sprained ankle. The Vikings have actually been way better against the run than the past this year. They started a little rough in that area at the beginning of the season, but since week five, they're fifth toughest in the league by rushing DVOA. So Zonovan Knight is somebody that a lot of people just learned existed this week, and he's a fine pickup. Just don't overrate his usefulness for this week. I think he's an RV3
1: option if Michael Carter is out, just based on volume. I think he could project Knight for 10 to 15 carries and a handful of targets. He actually, he basically matched Ty Johnson in pass routes last week, which you like to see. And, and Knight caught all three of his targets. So it's not like he's just going to be the early down guy. And Knight, I think he, I didn't write it down, I think he caught 41 passes, it was, over his final two college season. So, you know, he's, he's a bigger between the tackles guy, but he can catch the football. So that obviously helps too. Again, I think he's a decent fantasy play. um, If if there's no Carter, if Carter's in, I think Carter's the best bet, but I I would try to avoid the backfield considering Carter would be playing through that ankle
0: injury. Yeah. I think it might even be more of an avoid for me if Carter's playing because he'll be on that sprained ankle and it'd be tough to know what the work split's going to be between less than 100% Carter and other guys who were decent last week. Anything sneaky, either good or bad, on the Viking side?
1: No, I would. I'm not like fully trusting Kirk Cousins, though, despite his strong game on Thanksgiving. That you know, it was it was his best game of the season, um, season high eighty-one percent completion rate. The first time since week one that he topped seven point two yards per attempt in a game. Um, So, you know, we'll see if he carries the momentum over. But in this matchup against the Jets, the Jets are sixth in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. uh, First in Football Outsiders pass defense OA over the past five weeks. So uh, Cousins is outside our top 12 quarterbacks for this week.
0: Yeah, and it would be a difficult decision for me between him and Jared Goff if I had those two quarterbacks, just to kind of put some context to it. Yep, that's the range he belongs in. Cleveland at Houston Browns by seven on the road over under 47. Obviously the face of this game is Deshaun Watson for his regular season debut with the Browns. And really it's going to be more feeling than analysis here. The analysis part, we all know that Deshaun Watson is an excellent quarterback and that is the only reason that he's on an NFL team right now because of how good he is. So it's important, I think, to remember just what the Browns gave up to get him three first round picks and a third round pick. They gave him the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Browns are four and seven at this point. They probably need to win out to make the playoffs. And we've got Watson making his debut against the only team he's ever played for in the NFL. So we should see plenty of motivation from the player. We should see a team trying its best to win. And, you know, even though he hasn't played it all this year, maybe they lean a bit more run than they plan to beyond that. And especially because it's an opponent they can do that with, but I don't expect them to hide Deshaun Watson after they spent all these draft picks and money on him.
1: Yeah. I mean, they might even want to pilot him in this game against his former team. I I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, like you said, we know Watson has been awesome. We know the matchup's good. The Browns at 27 points have the third highest implied total on the week. Um, So that's kind of the stuff working in Watson's favor working against Watson, this will be his, it'll be exactly 700 days on Sunday since Watson played his last NFL game. We saw him once in the preseason. He looked very rusty, completed just one of five passes for seven yards. He had to be away from the team altogether until mid-October. He's only been practicing the past couple of weeks. That's been all like scout team stuff because Brissett still was taking the first team rep. So Watson will have only had, you know, one week of practice with the first team offense. So there, there's a lot of, Downside here. But again, there is upside because it's Deshaun Watson
0: and because of this matchup. Right. Most quarterbacks, I'd be like, yeah, well, let's wait and see what happens. But with Deshaun yeah. Watson, it's just, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of the current generation of quarterbacks. And he's got Amari Cooper. He's got DPJ. He's got David Njoku. I would not anticipate this being a downgrade for any of those guys. So I would be using them at their normal level. And yep. Njoku, we got back to his full role last week. <laughs> so it's nice to have him back in what is just otherwise a terrible mix of tight ends.
1: Uh, I, I hate to break the news to you. Um, hey. And Joku suffered a new knee injury. in that. Game. Oh, it's new? A, new? a new knee injury and did not practice on Wednesday.
0: I saw that he missed Wednesday's <laughs> practice. I was just assuming yeah. that it was maintenance stuff because it was the same way he started out last week. So, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, Stefanski said new knee. I think it's the other knee even. So, yeah, he
1: he's looking iffy. We'll have to, to see on that. Um, yeah, I'm mean, just going back to Watson. Like, he's 10th in our quarterback rankings. You can see exactly, you know, where he sits among other guys. I would not start him any higher than where he's ranked. Yeah, I wouldn't start him over any of the other nine guys, and then you know, we have like Justin Fields and, and Tua, who, who we'll get to in a bit here. Um, those are the other guys that are right behind Watson that, that I would not even you know be opposed to starting those you know quote unquote safer plays over
0: Watson this week. Uh, now that you told me that about David Joku, <laughs> I'm just going to end the podcast right here I don't about the I'm other games. Kareem sorry. Hunt, bottom of RB three territory, and I think that's noteworthy because this is one of those matchups where you're like, oh, start all your running backs. You can start both running backs from that team, and Kareem Hunt's good. Hasn't been good lately. Just seven opportunities in each of his past three games and five of his past six. The playing time has stayed there. He's just not getting the ball.
1: Yeah, Hunt is basically the same as A.J. Dillon this week where, you know, the usage and production hasn't been good, but maybe it happens for him this week. Hunt's actually been at seven or fewer opportunities in five of his last six games. The only exception was the blowout win over the Bengals, where he got eleven carries and four targets. That's like what you're hoping with in this game. But the Browns, you know, blow Houston out and in the second half they they get you know, hunt to double digit carries. I think it's possible, but you know, there, there's also still a risk that he only gets, you know, five carries and a couple targets. And
0: yeah, in the meantime, Nick Chubb is one of the highlighted players in my free underdog pick article that hit the site yesterday. So I already bet the over on him. I would be surprised if he doesn't hit it, his starting line. It might've gone up by now. I'll be surprised if it didn't. Cause his starting line was below his rushing yardage <laughs> average for the year so far. We projected him for 110
1: rushing yards, which is about as high as we'll project a guy for. But he, he Chubb can go for as many yards as the Browns allow him to go for on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's noteworthy for Jared because before maybe this week, definitely before this year, that would have been a number that like, I would project for a running back. And he'd be like, nah, we don't project anybody that high. He's going to be 98.5 this week <laughs> with an FM station. Yeah, the triple-digit uh, triple barrier is a tough one to crack.
1: But, tri- I mean, he, 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 the spot doesn't get any better than this.
0: The Houston offense, meanwhile, switched quarterbacks last week and got even worse. It's coming off its two worst DVOA performances of the entire season, even worse last year with Kyle Allen. If you know anything about DVOA ratings from Football Outsiders, they got a minus 113.1% DVOA with Kyle Allen there last week on the passing side. I mean... It, it's not getting any worse, and it doesn't matter for Kyle Allen. The wide receivers were not really playing, but it matters for Damian Pierce, who has been dreadful the past two weeks—not just disappointing, but like le like team killing performances these past two weeks. One point one yard per carry over those two games 33 total yards combined between the two games rushing and receiving and it's not a matter of stacked boxes jared it's been more an issue of yards before contact so he's not getting the blocking he's in probably the league's worst offense at this point even though it's a positive matchup i'm scared of damian pierce this week
1: i'm scared too like he is not a comfortable start you know like you said the offense has obviously hurt him his PFF grades are down across the board too. Um, three of his four lowest PFF rushing grades have come in these last three weeks now. So, you know, maybe he's hitting the rookie wall. He has racked up a bunch of touches this season and was not a high volume guy at Florida. I'd have to go back and look, but he might already be at, a, you know, at least a, his most touches across his NFL and college careers. I'm sure he had more touches in high school. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a concern now. On The plus side the guy had been producing consistently for us through the first nine games of the season on a still bad offense. And he has the matchup this week. Um, the Browns have you know, pretty much been the worst run defense football outsiders does have them as the worst run defense over the last five weeks. They're allowing 5.6 yards per carry to running backs. So you know that that's working in Pierce's favor. He sits in RB two territory in our rankings in a spot where like, he's not a must start. There could be teams that have two better running backs, but he's also not a guy I would definitely be sitting. Cause I do still think he's going to get, the volume and, and you know, the, the matchup makes this a potential bounce back spot.
0: I'm not certain that he gets the volume. That's what I would have bet on the past two weeks, but just the how poorly they played the past two weeks. And now yeah. they're seven point underdogs heading into this one. That's the part that makes me even queasier about it. I, yeah. I tried to mentally move him down our rankings when we first had the numbers, but you know, the guys behind him aren't guys that I definitely believe outperform Damian Pierce this week. I would start Rashad white. If there's no Leonard Fournette, you know, looking at guys around Hi. in the rankings this week, I will start whoever is Pittsburgh's starting running back, whether it's Najee Harris or Jalen Warren over Damian Pierce this week. Otherwise, you're looking at names like Antonio Gibson, Latavius Murray, Jeff Wilson, uh, Cordero Patterson, Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, Gus Edwards. Like the only one in there, Miles Sanders is a tricky one because the matchup's terrible and I would like to not use him. But if I'm weighing him against Damian Pierce, I might have to lean toward the Philly offense and just hope that he gets a scoring chance.
1: White, I would definitely start over Pierce if there's no Leonard Fournette. You know, we have Fournette projected right now, so White's a bit below Pierce. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Houston's 20 20 point implied total is higher than they've been lately, um, which you know is probably the Browns matchup, so that helps Damian Pierce. You also have you know it's it's a minor thing, but Rex Burkhead's probably going to miss this game with his concussion, so you know maybe Pierce picks up some extra work in the passing game.
0: Damian Pierce, by the way, 180 carries right now, this season, uh, college season high of one Oh six as a junior. So well will be that threshold and certainly more receptions than he had in any college season. So yeah, he's, he's beyond what he's been before and probably getting hit harder by the guys he's playing against. So there's certainly a chance that he has also hit a wall that, that whole range of running backs though. Like I look at it and I try to order it in my head and there's just no way to comfortably rank it. It's RB 17. To RB twenty nine in our PPR rankings, it looks to me, Jared, like this grab bag with like four twenty dollar <laughs> bills and nine mouse traps in it.
1: Oh yeah, that's definitely what it is. I I just think Pierce is still the safest. It sounds stupid, but I think he's the safest touch bet among those guys because I just you can't project an NFL team to be as bad as the Texans have been the past two weeks. They were bad the first nine or whatever it was, and you know Pierce Pierce was still producing in fantasy.
0: Even when you see the white beard on their coach, that doesn't, doesn't make it easier <laughs> to project that. It's it's Santa Claus's time of year. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Jacksonville at Detroit, Lions by uh, half a point. Who would have guessed that this would be one of the most exciting offensive games on the slate back at the beginning of the year? But it is 51.5 points, like I said, is the total here. Travis Etienne, fortunately, on the Jacksonville side, looks like he's gonna play after last week's game he downplayed the foot injury Doug Peterson said he could have come back in but we were being cautious was limited Wednesday so we'll watch him throughout the week but we should get Travis Etienne for this game and I'm certainly not hesitating to play him if he's active
1: yes that's where I'm at too you know unless we get some you know Sunday morning report that you know Etienne's gonna be limited or something which you know I still wouldn't shock me just I believe this is the same foot he hurt last year and you know he's one of the Jags building blocks and they're not playing for anything this season. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it. if there's nothing on ETM being limited. I think you
0: have to start him in this matchup against Detroit. Christian Kirk is a strong play at this point. He's been somebody that, you know, has kind of wavered between strong play and uneasy play. But uh, limited numbers last week, they kind of that kind of hides the fact that he's seen five straight games of seven plus targets with nine plus targets and four of those, including last week.
1: Yeah, he was just inefficient last week, but he had nine targets, a twenty-four percent target share. So he's a
0: super safe
1: target. Bad Zay Jones, obviously coming off the massive game, which I I'm not going to say that was that type of game was coming, but you know we've talked about all season that he's been getting nice volume. He just you know hasn't been super efficient with it. But you know seven point two targets per game over the first nine for Zay Jones, even before last week. Um, Detroit thirty first and adjusted points allowed two wide receivers and it might again be without Jeff Okuda their their top corner which is the matchup upgrade for Zay Jones because he's been playing most of his snaps on the outside
0: yeah just don't overrate Zay Jones as a play last week marked his career high in targets catches and yards so that's not a game to judge him by that's like a oh I didn't realize that was possible with Zay Jones but you know go in expecting something more like four and a half to five catches for 60 yards
1: yeah he's still a wide receiver four that gets you know I think boosted up to wide receiver three territory this week because of
0: the matchup Evan Ingram is Jacksonville's Greg Dulcich. The playing time is there. The routes are there. The targets are absolutely no guarantee. The matchup is great. So it should be a week we play Evan Ingram. The matchup favored him last week too, though, and it did not work out at all. So I will say I'm playing Evan Ingram over Foster Moreau because of the matchup, but he's a toss-up versus Dawson Knox, and I certainly can't push him any higher than that. Yeah, I think calling him Dulcich is a bit strong just because we've seen Ingram get targets for more
1: games this season. Um, and like you said, the route rates have, st- it's th- the fact that the route rates have still been there the past two weeks makes me not, not, not excited to stick with them, but like I- I'm willing to stick with them in this matchup. Like, we know, every tight end outside the top well, five or six right now has like a three point fantasy floor. Ingram's no different. Um, but again, we we've seen him get good target volume in plenty of games this season. And this is just, this
0: is just a game we we want to get pieces of it if we can i would love to say hey good week to play evan ingram i just can't at this point that makes me mad yeah me too on the detroit side deandre swift got a season high eight targets against the bills last time out no real change to his role overall though so not somebody that i'm trying hard to get into lineup somebody that i will play if i don't have a better option yeah i mentioned on twitter that
1: swift is off the injury report altogether this week for the first time since week one and a lot of people got excited about it i I don't think it means a whole lot. He was a full participant in practice both in the last two weeks, and like you said, did not really see his role grow. He's been between a thirty-one and thirty-four percent snap snap rate in each of the last three games, averaging five point three carries, four point seven targets over that span. That's kind of what I'd project on Sunday, um, but you know, puts him in play as like an RB three or flex in PPR, but I, I wouldn't expect more than that.
0: What well, you're hoping if you have Swift is that him not being listed on the injury report is a signal that coaches now believe he is ready for a larger role, that that injury is fully healed, that we're, you know, at least close to uh, full strength for Deandre Swift. And I would hope that if that is the feeling among coaches, that we get some kind of signal that that's coming this weekend before it does happen. Ultimately, if I can help it, I would rather wait and see what happens, even though this is an upside matchup, if he does get the ball, um, you know, we'll see. It, it's tough to know what to do with Swift right now. Jamal Williams is also tough to know what to do with. I, I To me, Jared, he's just the ultimate gut call. And you hate at this point to, I don't like to tell people it's a gut decision because we have so many metrics and, and tools for determining who's the better play. But Jamal Williams is so touchdown reliant, the most touchdown reliant of any of the top 50 running backs, 47 and percent of his PPR points have come from touchdowns, which leads the position by a wide margin. He's had four straight games of 16 plus carries. So we like that usage. He's been under 3.8 yards per carry in each of those games. He's been under 70 rushing yards each of the past three weeks, but he's also scored five touchdowns. So if somebody (laughs) says to me, should I start Jamal Williams? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, probably not if we're not assuming that we can project touchdowns, but. I can easily say that. And then he goes out and scores twice. It would be like the sixth time this season that he did that. Yeah, I mean, I
1: do think he's one of the at least one of the 10 best touchdown bats at running back this week. I mean, he, he's been doing it. This game has the big over under the Lions have a nice implied total. And and so Williams is leading the league with 13 rushing touchdowns. He also has 11.1 expected Rushing touchdowns just based on his usage—that's two and a half more than anyone else. And there's there's luck involved in that too. Like every time I turn on a Lions game, I see someone getting tackled at the one-yard line, and then in comes Jamal Williams to punch it in. Like there's luck involved, but he you know he's clearly their guy at the goal line. Not only their running back of choice, at the goal line, but like they they want to run it in. You know when they're inside the five, they're running the football. So yeah, he he's gonna hurt you if he doesn't score. But this isn't a game where I'd say he's you know a. a bad, bad to score a touchdown. I think that's going to be a high scoring game. The lions are at home where they've played better this season. I do think, um, if you've been rolling with Williams for the past, you know, however many weeks, I would keep
0: rolling with him this week. For sure. Our friend doc Budoff asked about starting Jamal Williams or Gabe Davis, which is a question because of, you know, Gabe <laughs> plays tonight. And I, to me, it's like, yeah. that, that's one of those where I'm like, that, that's really a question for you because they're both like, he could do absolutely nothing or he could score three times and neither one of those would be outlandish. Yeah, Doc's just setting you up to get burnt there because either of those guys could could outscore
1: the other by like 20 points, and it would not be a surprise.
0: <laughs> I will give him credit that he's one of the few people who, if I do tell him one and it's yeah. wrong, he won't be like, thanks a lot, shall <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Uh, the Jacksonville defense, by the way, has played the run a lot tougher than the past. They're 11th in rush DVOA for the season. They're 29th. Against the pass, they've played the run especially tougher lately. So, you know, it doesn't favor, but like you said, this is a Detroit team that wants to run it. That mm-hmm. split could at least help Jared Goff, who is averaging nearly 70 more passing yards per game in losses versus wins. He's averaging 0.4 more yards per attempt in losses than wins. So, it's not just a volume thing. I would guess that he's a little bit more likely to throw the ball downfield if they're coming from behind. Now, the question is, can Jacksonville get a lead here? I think we've just watched Jacksonville play better over the past couple weeks, but these are very similar teams where I wouldn't be surprised with yeah. really any game flow among these two. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Goff, Goff hasn't had a good fantasy game since week four. He Quarterback
1: 15 is his best finish in fantasy points since week four. That's because Williams has taken all the touchdowns. <laughs> so, like, you know, if the touchdown luck swings in goss favor he can deliver but you know he's not a guy i'd be looking to you know start
0: this week in this matchup i just i I don't i don't trust touchdowns go to go his way not somebody i'm looking to start but somebody i think like mike white with upside if you're in super flex if you're looking deep in a deep league for a starting Mm -hmm. quarterback somebody with upside because of the situation yep Tennessee at Philadelphia Eagles by five and a half over under 44 and a half. And Derrick Henry needs this one to be a get right spot. It's like Saquon Barkley in that we can't really do anything about it. We're not sitting Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry, but he's coming off three straight games of 3.1 yards per carry or less. And none of those three opponents ranked better than 16th in run defense DVOA. So it's not coming off of tough matchups. It's just Tennessee not running the ball. Well, Philly hasn't played the run well, so maybe it's a get right spot for him. Yeah, two
1: of Henry's three worst PFF rushing grades of the season have come over the past three weeks as well. His playing time is down. He's been under 60% of Tennessee's offensive snaps in three of the last four games. He was at 64-plus percent in every game prior to that besides the blowout loss to Buffalo. His carries are down. Now they're down from 23.7 per game to 20.3 per game over the last four. So it's not like he's not getting the ball. And, and you know, he, he still made that big play on the screen pass last week. Um, so I don't I don't think he's – Wearing down, I think it's probably just more like tiny sample size noise at this point. Um, And like you said, you're not you're not benching
0: Derrick Henry. You know, we'll, we'll see if he can bounce back. He does get the second best remaining schedule by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, you know, that's a, a, another checkmark in favor of keeping him in the lineup and not worrying too much. Otherwise, on Tennessee, I think the only other guy worth talking about is Traylon Burks. If you need yep. an upside wide receiver for he's the guy Eagles opponents are passing at a rate well under expected, though. So you might look at this and think, oh, Tennessee is going to get beat up. They'll throw the ball more. Traylon Burks is going to be an upside guy. Maybe that happens, but it's really not a situation that makes Burks that attractive an option.
1: Yeah, six, eight, and six targets for Burks in his three games back from injury. I think that's kind of the range range he's going to settle in. Um, I, I think, it, like you said, it, it puts him in play as a wide receiver three. Eagle secondary is you know they're they they've been missing their slot corner, Vontae Maddox. They're going to be missing uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. This week, too, who plays mostly safety, has been helping fill in for Maddox in the slot as well. Burks has run about 20% of his routes from the slot this season. So it's a slight matchup matchup upgrade for him, but just a matchup upgrade for um, Tennessee's passing game in general.
0: And certainly losing the league leader in interceptions can only help the vulnerability of the um, deep pass defense. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a mark in Burks' favor if you do need somebody from that range. Seattle at the Rams Seahawks by seven and a half over under 41 here and talked about some other running back issues. Jared Kenneth Walker is worth highlighting on that front three games of 2.8 yards per carry or less among his past four. Each of those three found him getting less than two yards before contact per carry. His other three games is lead back. He's got six of those total the other three games all at 2.3 or better. So Kenneth Walker needs to get those yards before contact. If he's going to have a good game, I would be a little worried about this matchup and pushing for him to move down our ranking some, but the Rams are not going to have Aaron Donald. And not only does that hurt the defense, I'm not sure we even know how much that hurts the defense because he has never lost a game to injury before. Yeah. I mean, you don't get defensive injuries more impactful than that.
1: Seahawks pretty big favorites in this game so they should be able to feed Kenneth Walker I'm not too worried he he just I think he's going to be like this throughout his career he's kind of Saquon Barkley ish in that he's like a boom bust runner where he's going to go you know zero yards two yards lose a yard then he's going to break off a, a 30 yarder I think that's just kind of the, the type of runner he is um, you know his usage is fine he's still dominating touches in the Seahawks backfield. but I, I think Walker's fine I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he bounces back with a pretty big game this weekend
0: Geno Smith and his wide receivers are every weekers at this point. Nothing scary for them against the Rams. And then on the yep. Rams side of this, I, I'm not touching anything on the offense.
1: Ideally not. I, di- I did want to bring up the Seahawks defense, which I can't figure out. because They were horrible the first, what, like four or five weeks. And they were really good. They have two of their worst – two of their three worst performances by DVOA have come in the last two games. You know, the loss to the Bucks prior to the bye, and then last week versus the Raiders, and they were just horrible. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot this week, because like you
0: said, you don't want to start anyone on this Rams offense, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I so I didn't look, I I, I know through the context of Cody Barton, their linebacker, just for IDP purposes, that when he plays more, the defense is worse. And not just because <laughs> of how bad Cody Barton is, but because of how they're aligning things. It's more two linebacker sets when he's on the field, and then it was more three safety or multi-corner sets when, they're, when they came out with better defensive ratings. So I didn't look further to see exactly who's injured. I know Ryan Neal, one of the safeties, is dealing with an injury this week to see if that's going to impact who's on the field because it doesn't matter for this week against the Rams. But it's certainly <laughs> yeah. something to look at heading into next week and beyond.
1: Yeah, let me at least mention, though, Kyron Williams, who played 71% of the Rams' offensive snaps last week, got 11 carries and three targets. Um, you know, he's... He's an option if you're hurting at running back. Like,
0: you know, he, he's in low end RB3 range in our rankings this week. Miami at San Francisco, 49ers by three and a half, over under 46 and a half. On Miami's side, left tackle Teron Armstead looks iffy for this week. Uh, didn't practice Wednesday, left Sunday's game early. Jeff Wilson Jr., though, not on the injury report Wednesday. So positive for him after he was in and out of a disappointing game on Sunday. Much worse matchup for Wilson this week against San Francisco, especially if his left tackle's missing.
1: Yeah, this is such a fascinating matchup. Obviously, Mike McDaniel facing Kyle Shanahan, who he coached under the past few seasons. Um, Yeah, I mean, bad timing for Armstead to likely be out. Austin Jackson, Miami's right tackle, is also going to miss this game. And I mean, Miami has a what is it a twenty-one point two five point implied total like that? You know, that's that's scary. Um, You know, you're not benching Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, but Tua, you know, Tua sits lower. In our rankings this week than he has for a while. And I do think there are guys like you know, Trevor Lawrence, I would start over Tua without really thinking twice about it this week.
0: Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, I feel good about, but what's the case beyond that for being down on Tua this week?
1: The matchup, the offensive line injuries, the implied total. I mean, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tua and you know, Mike McDaniel figure out a way to scheme around it and still have a nice offensive game. But you know, there's a lot of causes for concern with Tua this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still inside our top 12. I think I'm not playing him over Geno Smith if I have that decision to make. We talked about Trevor Lawrence. He's way up the rankings this week. The guys that might be decisions, I think, are Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Justin Fields. I think Dak is a safer play. Might not have the ultimate ceiling of Tua, but I would lean that way for safety. Watson and Fields, Watson would be a tough one. I would probably lean Tua just because there it, yeah. there is still plenty of unknown with Watson and the Browns. Fields, you know, the injury, I guess that's one I would have to wait until the weekend to see which way I would yeah. go between them. Because it, it matters, obviously, not only that he's active, but it matters, you know, just how close he is to full strength. Yeah, I'm with you across the board there. I think I think definitely Trevor Lawrence, definitely Geno Smith
1: over to uh, I probably lean Dak Prescott over to uh, and then, yeah, field, Fields Watson. That's just, you know, the projections don't really tell the whole story with those guys. So it's kind of just
0: got to be a field thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Raheem Mostert might be back for this game to further challenge Jeff Wilson Jr. We'll watch him. He was limited Wednesday. Uh, anything else from the offense? Nope. On the 49ers side, the target shares are down for both Debo Samuel and George Kittle since Christian McCaffrey arrived Jerry, We were talking about that offline this morning. They've been up significantly for Brandon Ayuk over the same stretch. I'm not sure. It, that's one of those things to be aware of overall. Mm-hmm. Not sure just how much they matter for this specific matchup because it's so good for passing and the backfield lost Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey's dealing with a knee issue. So we might just get a 49ers offense that leans past a little bit more than usual this week. Yeah. I mean, the McCaffrey
1: knee thing, probably the biggest fantasy storyline of the week. Um, he did not practice on Wednesday, which isn't a major surprise. You know, Shanahan kind of said they're going to limit him throughout the week. Um, I think McCaffrey's going to play on Sunday the question then becomes, how big of a workload does he get? His, his snap rates have been down. In the game prior to the bye, McCaffrey's second with the Niners, he played like 82% of the Niners' offensive snaps. He's been like in the mid-60s the three games since. I'm not exactly sure when the knee issue started. And all, all the all the Twitter doctors are you know, saying it's knee tendonitis just based on the little strap McCaffrey had under that left knee during last week's game. And That, that tends to be like a pain management, load management kind of thing, more than like an injury that's really going to sideline him. Um, But it's definitely something that could force the Niners to limit his snaps, maybe limit his touches a a, a bit. So, um, you know, you're again, like we said, a lot of these backs, you're not benching McCaffrey unless you're stacked. But, um, you know, he he definitely might not be that like top three fantasy option that we kind of thought he would be when he first arrived in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly keep watching him as we get closer to the weekend. Jimmy Garoppolo, full practice Wednesday, which is noteworthy because he hurt a knee in that game, downplayed it afterwards, so we weren't expecting it to be anything big, but good that he started the week with a full practice. There's some shootout potential here for this, and, you know, we, we talked down a little bit about Tua, but the Dolphins have scored a bunch of points. It would not be shocking if this game is one of the higher scoring on the slate this week. So, you know, with all of that wrapped together, maybe we get a little bit more Garoppolo than we do in most games. I think... I would have him maybe a spot or two higher than where we have him in the rankings right now. It's really though, it's tough between him and Derek Carr, especially if you just look at their situations overall, Derek Carr's game has a higher total. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's team has a higher total. So it's kind of a coin flip and then we get up into that Tua yep. fields, Watson range. Right. Yeah. I
1: mean, Garoppolo came in pretty dang close to Tua in our projections this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, garoppolo outscores Tua in this game Uh, like you said the niners do have a a way higher implied total much better matchup for garoppolo um maybe not as quite explosive weapons for garoppolo but but pretty close so i I do think jimmy g i would not start him over tua but i do think he's a good streaming option this week
0: yes i agree with both of those things kansas city at cincinnati we've got the chiefs by two over under 52 and a half Cincinnati looks even versus the run and the pass on defense if you look at the ratings. But the pass defense, as we've mentioned on the show before, has been much worse since their top corner Chidobe Awuzie went down. They also just posted their best run defense DVOA rating of the entire season against Derrick Henry last week. So this looks like a spot. For a Chiefs offense that would generally rather pass anyway, it looks like a spot for them to lean past. A little bit less Isaiah Pacheco, a little bit more Patrick Mahomes plus everyone.
1: Yeah, with you there. Um, Then the Chiefs did go pass heavy as usual in their two meetings with the uh, the Bengals last year. I'd expect that to be the case this year. Questions on the Chiefs side. Jarek McKinnon did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. He has six plus targets in three of the last four games now. So I don't know how the Chiefs would replace his role you know his pass catching role if he's not available for this game because we know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is also out so it's Isaiah Pacheco, Ronald Jones you know not a pass catcher and they did add Melvin Gordon to the practice squad yesterday or or on uh, Tuesday so we'll see how that shakes out and then the other question here Juju Smith-Schuster was limited coming off the concussion which we don't Tend to see usually guys clear the concussion protocol and they're back to their usual roles. Juju played just forty four percent, or he ran her out on just forty four percent of the past plays last week. I'd expect him to be back to his full workload on Sunday, but no, that's definitely something worth watching.
0: Yeah, I think that we'd probably see like Noah Gray factor into the replacement plan. It's t- it's tough to judge like with yeah. what with so many injured parts here on this Chiefs defense this is going to be one that we have to watch into the weekend it's you know it's just a game and a team where if it's close we probably lean toward the upside of the situation
1: yeah I'm with you I think McKinnon's targets would not go to the other running backs they go to Travis Kelsey the other tight ends maybe the wide receivers I'd just be curious to see who at least plays those passing snaps in the Chiefs backfield
0: yeah, I think whereas plenty of other running backs are schemed into the offense, and I know that the Chiefs like to screen, but I, I think it's a little bit more of of an outlet than a, than a part of the offensive plan going in. Cincinnati side, it looks like we should get Jamar Chase back. We'll have to watch. He said last week that he was the one who made the call not to play against Tennessee, and he you know said even though he said he was feeling good he said we'll see about the game as we get closer to the weekend just to he's he's not only thinking about how he feels right now but long term not wanting to do more damage to the injured hip so we'll watch him into the weekend but if he's active let's assume yeah. that he's ready to go if you read too i read a thread on his injury like how it played out as it was happening and he was producing like beyond when he actually suffered the injury After he was having trouble walking, he was like, I don't know how I played the second half. Adrenaline took over. I was having trouble walking at halftime. And then, you know, I just got excited and scored two touchdowns. It's like, (laughs) our chase tough, not to play if he's in the game. Yes. Yeah.
1: You're starting him. If he's active on Sunday,
0: if he is in there, I'm not particularly interested in Tyler Boyd. I think he's in the wide receiver four mix if you're looking down there, but you know, in the range of guys like Darius Slayton and, and Traylon Burks and less good as a target share bet than those two guys.
1: Yeah, I think the argument in favor of Boyd is just this game in general. We expect it to be in you know, one of the highest scoring games potentially of the entire season, so there's upside to everyone. And Boyd, you know, Boyd's, he saw slightly more targets without Chase the past four weeks, but he was more productive everywhere else. You know, Catches, yards, touchdowns, even expected fantasy points were higher with um, Chase on the field than without him. So I'm not saying Chase returning good news for Boyd, but I also don't think it's bad news just because the offense gets more efficient in general.
0: Yeah, it doesn't crush him, but I don't think that it's good news. He's he's a little bit more neutral, and there's a little bit less room for him to have a high-target game with both of those guys healthy. We did have T. Higgins missing some time early in the season when we had some of those better Tyler Boyd games. Hayden Hurst is well within our top 12 at tight end at this point, even with Jamar Chase back. I think I mentioned it on the Monday pod, but one of those, like, Jamar Chase being out did not significantly impact how much Hurst was on the field or how much he was targeted either. His number was up last week, but otherwise, it's been pretty solid throughout the season.
1: Yeah, Hurst, another guy who more targets per game and more expected fantasy points per game with Jamar Chase over the first what was it seven games of the season than without him. So he's fine, and you're playing him just because of this game environment.
0: And then Joe Mixon looks like he'll be back this week from the concussion. We'll watch to confirm, but it certainly seems that way at this point. Yep. Limited practice on Wednesday for Mixon. So he
1: still has a bit of work to do, but he should be good to go by Sunday. And um, he, I would expect him back in the same role he was prior to the concussion.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, getting all the touches and then losing the one touchdown receiving to Samaje Piran that pisses us all right. off. Yep. Chargers at Raiders chargers by one and a half over under 50 and a half. The chargers, I think you're playing anyone in strong consideration because of the matchup. They're tied with the lions for the fourth highest team total on the slate. We're going to watch Mike Williams to see if he'll play. I think you plan at this point as though he's not going to be available.
1: Yeah. Williams did not practice on Wednesday. So yeah, I would plan on not having him.
0: I think the fringe guys here, Deandre
1: Carter, who's obviously coming off the big week. uh, What was it? Week 12, seven catches, 73 yards and a score on 10 targets. You know, that that's, that's a ceiling game. You can't expect that for Carter going forward. He had averaged five targets and 3.8 catches over his previous four games. And the nice thing for about Carter is, you know, with Mike Williams out, He's been running a route on 85 plus percent of the Chargers pass plays. And we know this is a high volume passing game. So like with these fringe wide receiver options, like, you know, wide receiver four types, Carter is going to like Carter's like a better bet for pass routes than all of them. So that's kind of what's working in, in his favor.
0: And you have this uh, matchup against the Raiders
1: who are the worst wide receiver defense.
0: Yeah, near identical to Tyler Boyd in our rankings right now. That's how I would treat him. They're basically the same guy. They're <laughs> they're in somewhat crowded pass offenses but also offenses that can be very efficient throwing the ball and can go pass heavy and just have enough production for everybody involved. I'd play both of those guys over Sky Moore, probably over Mac Collins, although that one's a little bit closer for me.
1: Yes, I would too.
0: On the Raider side of this one, the big story is Josh Jacobs' calf injury, which apparently propelled him to 200-and-whatever yards last week. All I know is I'm going to be pouring rum next to Joe Boo every day until we get Josh Jacobs active for this game.
1: Yeah, I'm calling BS. Was that Pelicero that had the tweet that like he's going to be you know, managed throughout the week and he hopes to play on Sunday? He suffered the calf injury last Friday, goes out and does what he did against Seattle, and then he was limited in Wednesday's practice. Like, if, he, if, he's, if he's seriously in, in doubt, they're not going to put him on the field to do anything on Wednesday. So, I mean, we'll we'll keep an eye on it, but I would plan on, on, on Jacob's playing in this game.
0: Hey, all I know is watching somebody go for an 86-yard run makes my calf sore, so I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Foster Moreau, I would love to not use him. I think the case for using him is pretty easy to understand, though.
1: Yeah, in Week 11, his routes were way down. He blocked for some reason, but he was back up to an 88% route rate last week he's averaged 5.6 targets in games without
0: Darren Waller this season so you yeah, know that's that's good enough to make him a fringe option at tight end and I gotta um, look up Joey Bosa like I haven't heard anything about Joey Bosa okay the latest on him is that he's not close to a return and that matters for whether Foster Moreau is blocking or running routes because without Joey Bosa it's not that scary a pass rush so we should get plenty of routes we'll get plenty of maybe not plenty we'll get inefficient targets but you know in the range where he's at at tight end like that's all you need is targets yes exactly Derek Carr as we mentioned earlier toss up with Jimmy Garoppolo QB1 fringe Um, you know like I said the Raiders have a higher game total The 49ers have a higher team total we've got Watson Tua Justin Fields just above those guys I'd play those three over Carr or Garoppolo but you know anybody in that range is a solid to strong option Carr's been getting it
1: done for fantasy. Like he's finished exactly quarterback 10 in three of his last four games, and he was quarterback 15 in the other game. So, I mean, I don't think he's played particularly well this season, and this isn't an offense I really want to bet on, but, like, the fantasy points have been there for Carr lately. And, again, this this is, this is should be a high-scoring game, and the Chargers
0: defense has not been good lately. Yeah, you feel a little bit better about betting against the Chargers defense than you do betting on the Raiders offense. Yes, exactly. Indianapolis at Dallas. Cowboys by 11, over under 43 and a 43-and-a-half. I mean, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor are in play. I would not yep. be looking beyond that too much. Paris Campbell is in play, but kind of in that unexciting wide receiver range that we've talked about with Tyler Boyd and, uh, you know, some of the, the other guys, I don't even remember the names right there. Cause I'm so <laughs> unexcited about it.
1: Yeah. All the, all the Campbell targets went to Jelani woods on Monday night. Um, and, and you know, Woods, we should talk about. I mean, he I think he's worth adding where he's available. You know, in deeper leagues and FFPC leagues, I would not trust him yet. Kylan Granson did not play in that game on Monday night. I think that was at least part of the reason Woods broke out. And then again, I mean, I, I could see him, you know, maintaining this lead role the rest of the way because the Colts don't have anything to play for because he is their you know rookie tight end. Maybe they kind of want to see what he can do down the stretch. So we'll not use Woods this week, but um definitely worth grabbing if you don't have you know one of the locked in starters at tight end.
0: It's well worth noting though, too, that the Colts offense has not had a lead tight end role, like for somebody to definitely yep. secure. So, you know, is it possible that he keeps operating like this? Sure. But the way that the season has gone, it's much more likely that he does absolutely nothing for us going forward. I agree. Yep. Nobody else for me to talk about on the Colts side, Dallas side, obvious guys are in, you We've talked about the Colts defense being tougher against the run. It's not to the point where it's altering my plan for either Tony Pollard or Zeke Elliott, who continued to split work last week.
1: Yeah. You know, Zeke obviously had the bigger game last week, but I thought it was encouraging. You know, Tony Pollard outsnapped Zeke Elliott and actually out carried him 18 to 16. So, you know, if Pollard's gonna continue to get that level of work, I think he's a guy you're gonna wanna be starting most weeks. Um the other guy in the Cowboys, Michael Gallup, who I thought had just not looked like himself for most of the season coming off that late season ACL last year. I, I thought, you know, Thanksgiving was easily his best game of the season. He easily had his best PFF grade of the season last week. So he's someone to uh, you know definitely grab if he's available. And I think he might be a guy who, you know, is in the wide receiver three mix the rest of the way
0: if he's, you know, back closer to, to 100% now. He's somebody I'm going to have a tough time playing at this point in the year when he just hit 50 yards for the first time this season, hasn't topped 63. And is like even peak Michael Gallup is still going to be somebody that's like 18% target share, not really a red zone option. So he's, you know, a Gabriel Davis type of producer, anyway, where big boom bust um, week to week. So. I I'm fine with adding him. He's somebody that I wouldn't feel like needed to be added. If he's sitting there on the waiver wire though, if I don't have yeah. a comfy drop for him, yep,
1: I don't think he's going to be a league winner, but I definitely think he could be helpful down the stretch. Yeah,
0: I can agree with that. New Orleans at Tampa Bay Buccaneers by four over under 40 and a half to close us out on Monday night. And before we get to Tom Brady's fears of the saints, we'll start with Alvin Kamara. Who's scaring fantasy owners at this point. We've talked about plenty of other big name running backs, with you know cold stretches that are leaving us with decisions we didn't think we'd have to make at this point and you wouldn't think early in the season that come week 13 you got to decide whether to play alvin Kamara, but his averages over the past four games nine carries 27.8 rushing yards five targets four catches 8.4 yards per catch is like the one reason to keep playing him because It gives him 33.8 yards per game receiving over that span, about 60 total yards per game, saving the rushing stuff. So all told, I think it's fair where we have Kamara this week in RB2 range, but he's one of those guys that if you're looking at your roster early in the season, you're like, okay, week 13, I've got this stud, I'm playing him. He's not that stud right now. He's somebody that's fine to use, but also fine to sit if you're in really good shape at running back.
1: Yeah, the Saints have the worst rushing offense over the last five weeks per Football Outsiders DVOA, and like you mentioned, 3.2 yards per carry for Kamara over that span. And it's not a huge deal, but Mark Ingram's return does matter a little bit. Kamara was up at 88-79, you know, 70% of the snaps the previous three games. Ingram comes back last week, and and Kamara's down to 67% of the snaps, which so is still a good number, but it's not you know the elite mark he was at without – Mark Ingram, the receiving stuff does keep him in play. You six targets per game over his last five, five catches per game over that span. You know that that's what's keeping him up there in like high end RB two territory in, in PPR leagues. Obviously, he loses quite a bit of value
0: in half PPR and non PPR. Yeah, Bucks are seventh toughest, seventh toughest on running back scoring. Ninth and run defense DVOA, so not as tough a rushing matchup as it was in recent seasons, but still a tough one that certainly doesn't help Camaro this week. Who else is worth? talking through on the new orleans side i think on the
1: Saints side it's chris olave 23 percent target share over the past three games with Drivers landry which isn't where he was before landry returned but that's still a decent enough number i think you're starting chris olave in most spots and i mentioned it last week it didn't hit last week but the saints have obviously made it a point to get Taysom hill more involved lately he has his two highest raw snap counts and snap rates over the past two weeks he has 15 carries, three targets, and has thrown four passes over that span. So you know that that's it's interesting. He's another you know guy to consider if you, you know, don't have one of those you know top five or six tight ends.
0: Yeah, I mean it's all not a guarantee that he's going to produce anything because he's not a traditional tight end. But it helps his chances of doing something, and we've seen what the ultimate spikes can be for him. On the Bucks side, after leaning the run much more than usual against Seattle and Germany, they went back to the pass last week against Cleveland, despite a matchup that should have favored running, if anything. They went 67-33 pass run. The Browns are second worst in the league in run DVOA, and they actually were first worst heading into that game. So the Bucs helped them come down from 32nd to 31st in that category. So we should expect them to continue throwing the ball, even though Tom Brady only averaged <laughs> 5.7 yards per attempt in that game. His six and a half yards per attempt for the season are his worst since 2002. So things haven't been going great, but they're still leaning that way. Now comes his nemesis since he joined the Buccaneers. He had 53% completions against the Saints in week two, 190 passing yards, one touchdown in six meetings with the Saints since joining the Bucs. That includes one playoff game. Brady's got 59% completion, 6.2 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns eight interceptions he's finished QB 26 or worse in three of five regular season meetings and the two where he didn't he had a rushing touchdown in one which propelled him to QB nine and the other one was a game where he was so bad three early turnovers that they fell way behind had to go 76 percent pass and he ended up getting there in a game that they still lost by like nine he got he threw for 375 and four touchdowns by the end of the game
1: Yeah, and the Saints' pass defense is playing well coming into this game. They're eighth in Football Outsiders' pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. They just really limited a Niners offense that had been hot coming into last week. Um, So, you know, it's not not, do you want to bench Brady this week. It's like, you know, how how many guys are you playing over him? I mean, I think in most leagues you can find someone that we have ranked higher. I mean, Derek Carr, I'm definitely playing over Brady this week. I'm playing Garoppolo over Tom Brady. I'm playing Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady, um, I would imagine you know that one of those guys is available in most fantasy leagues out there.
0: The matchup this week and the way he's playing, it's to the point where I'm not sure that I would tell somebody to play Mike White or Jared Goff, but if somebody <laughs> said to me, is it crazy for me to play Jared Goff or Mike White over Tom Brady this week? I'd be like, no, nah, it's not crazy. I'm not sure that I would be able to get there in my own lineup, but it's not crazy at all. I wouldn't be at all surprised if both of those guys outscore Tom Brady this week. Not crazy. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore looks like he's trending toward playing Let's we'll to see. We've got one practice report so far, but he hasn't played since week five. So that would only further help the past defense here. And in his career, he has owned Mike Evans. Evans is averaging 44.8 receiving yards per game in his matchups with Marshawn Lattimore, a median of 48 yards in those games. That's why we've got Mike Evans down at wide receiver 25. So it's not a sit Mike Evans week, but it's a, you might have better options than Mike Evans week.
1: Yeah, not, not a must set, but not a must start either. Um, that's a pretty big sample we have of Lattimore shutting Evans. And now Lattimore is coming off the injury, you know, so I don't know what that means exactly. And Evans has scored some touchdowns in those games against the Saints, so he can still deliver a decent fantasy day. But he
0: is you know, he, he definitely deserves a matchup downgrade this week. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if we downgrade one receiver, it's like, okay, well, where are those numbers going? For me, I, I'm not pushing those numbers to anybody else this week, except maybe like a slight boost to Chris Godwin, who I'm yeah. already playing anyway, so it doesn't matter.
1: Right, yeah. God, I mean, Godwin's seventh in our PPR rankings. You're, you're starting him. Um, sounds like Russell Gage got back back to practice this week. So, you know, if he, if he played, that would definitely take Julio Jones out of the mix.
0: Yeah, so I think these guys... If you're playing a showdown for this game, that makes, you know, one of those guys more interesting for yeah. regular season long lineup setting. I would certainly try not to use those guys. And the last one that we have to watch is Leonard Fournette. Um, mm-hmm. No injury report yet, as we're talking, because it is uh, Thursday afternoon and they're playing Monday night. So the first one will come out this later Thursday afternoon.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if Fournette plays like we're just guessing at what the backfield's is going to look like, we saw it turn into something close to a 50-50 split even before Fournette went down. Prior to the bye week, week. Rashad White had a pretty nice game as Tampa's lead back last week. And I would not be shocked if even if Fournette plays, if Rashad White leads the backfield in touches. Um, I I consider both those guys like low-end RB2, high-end RB3s if Fournette plays.
0: Yeah, they started Rashad White in that game against Seattle in Germany. So clearly they already wanted to elevate his role even before the hip injury for Fournette. And I mean, even if Fournette's back playing... That hip should be, you know, a reason to maybe lean a little bit more White's way, especially if they already wanted to get him the ball more. So yeah, I like White this week. Love him if Leonard Fournette's out and we'll we'll see where that situation is heading into the weekend. That's going to do it for this week 13 preview edition of the podcast. Head to draftsharks.com. Now you can see exactly how we project all these guys with explanations on why. And I think it's important to note the difference between projections and rankings because not only do we have the rankings on the site that we talked about, how all these guys slot next to each other but not all scoring systems are the same. So we've also got my team or team Intel pages in there now to show you exactly who you should start for your specific team following whatever scoring rules you put in there. And it's got the free agent finder right next to it. So you can quickly see if there's anybody available in your league who is a better option than you have lined up to start right now. You can click the links at the bottom of this podcast post, wherever you're getting it to get into underdog, to get into sleeper, you can get your first deposit matched 100% up to $100 on both of those sites. So if your redraft stuff's not going great or if you're just down to one team and you need something else to do, you can get into the over-unders. You can get into the daily drafting on both of those sites. We're going to give you some free money to do so. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaust, thanks so much for swimming with us.